aware of. Fringe. For Fringe? You do you setting up a Fringe show? Yeah, well, like, like a week around or something. So nice. they can offer me a week around, which is... Are you going to... Uh, uh, do like a really good uh, planned week around and have mm. a whole month of like scattered shit. Mm. Yeah. Introduce yourself, by the way. Oh, hi. Uh, <laughs> I'm Chief. Chief Kosa. I'm happy to be here. <laughs> Thanks to my man, Alex, for having me, man. No, man, it's awesome to have you on. Like, it's been, it's been crazy the amount of like episodes we've the amount of people who've reached out and said they're interested in doing an episode on this tiny little project i have yeah um but i'm very glad you got uh you came on yeah now i remember the first time i asked you to have on i, I met you at the the comedy lounge yeah and you yeah. said you you couldn't do it at the time you, you had to postpone which was fine but you said you had to do it for an acting gig which is yeah. exciting yeah yeah it was exciting what bro. can you tell us about that um well, you i didn't tell us anything Pardon? If you can tell us anything. Yeah, I can. I can tell you something, man. I, I've been in talks with like um, Luxon Management. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I just got signed with Luxon Management and I had a few acting gigs here and there. Nice. Uh, to be on, you know, do a couple of headshots. Nice. Couple of castings and all of that. And um, and the other time I postponed on you, man, because I had COVID. I was sick. Right? Yeah, yeah, oh, that totally man. understandable. COVID yeah, got yeah, me yeah. like yeah. mine down, right? My throat, everything was hurting. Yeah. yeah. But no. I, finally, 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 we're here. This is finally, fate. Finally, yeah. man. Finally yeah no that that is all good man i've had it myself a couple of times and it's not the most pleasant thing to deal Mm -hmm. with but you get through it yeah so tell us the the crowd is dying to know um whose dick do i have to suck to get a acting role (laughs) uh i think i think (laughs) okay um i think with with all this acting thing um ideally you just you just gotta reach out but um Fun fact, right? I I never really um, wanted to be a comedian. Really, comedy was not in my spec. Comedy was not in like my circle of things I wanted to do. I wanted to be an actor. Right. Comedy just just happened to work out because um, I don't know if you could remember they had this app called the Vines. Vines, like mm-hmm. yeah, like yeah, six oh yeah, seconds. I remember that. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. So I hopped on the Vines. I was doing like a bunch of six seconds videos. You know, mm-hmm. just keep doing it, acting it out, short. And then posting it on Instagram, 15 seconds. The time Instagram had like a 15 seconds um, on videos. Like you can't do above 15 seconds. Yeah. So I used to do like Vines and Instagram. And then um, that's how I literally got into comedy. Because yeah. most of the, the things I was acting out was like funny videos. And once I once had a call to um, perform at a, at a fashion event. Oh. Yeah, I tried to do like comedy at a fashion event. And then, I, I, mind you, I've never gone on stage before. But um, I was like, yeah, sure. So I got up on stage and then I was like, okay, I, I can I can do this. Mm-hmm. That's how comedy started. But comedy was never ideally in my spectrum. It was all about acting. So. Were you a comedy fan before you got into it? No. No? No. That is a... This is a first for me. Like yeah. normally, I've had other comics on, and I, you know, we talk about like the you know favorite comics, yeah. the Mount Rushmore of comedy, yeah. you know, the what got them into it and things like that. So this mm-hmm. is a surprising, surprising yeah. first. I was, I was not, a, I was not a fan of comedy, and um, I used to be like the class clown at school. But other yeah. than that, I was, I was not a fan of comedy, and um, the only reason why I agreed to initially do the fashion event is because most of the people um that were at that fashion event watched my videos, mm-hmm. so they kind of like know know me. So I feel like whatever I would have said there 
would come off um funny right. yeah so i had a good acceptance and then after that that's when i started watching comedy now that's when i started learning about comedy watching other comedians and see how to do it how jokes are written how mm. you captivate the audience how you like use your mannerism and all of that so yeah that's when i fully got into comedy other than that i, I would never watch comedy i was never like a fan of comedy right yeah. do you watch much comedy now yeah actually, yeah i actually do watch a lot of comedy now and even like the writing process i watch specific comedians for like specific topics right I'm trying to write so. right okay i i do watch a fair bit of comedy but i'm i find my writing comes in like i try and write every day yeah but i find some days are definitely easier than others yeah you know like some days you put pen to paper and it just like flows out of you literally and like other days is just like i can't think of anything funny today yeah you know what i mean yeah but i feel like the exercise of trying to write something down is good you Mm -hmm. know like consistency yeah you've always got to be trying to put a pen to paper um it's just sometimes that doesn't work Mm -hmm. um but so can, can i ask i mean I kind of acted in a few school plays uh, in... I went to Catholic school, so there was always like a... School play. Yeah, there was always yeah, a school play. Yeah. yeah, The Last Supper and things yeah, like, like that. Yeah, like those biblical... Yeah, biblical, yeah, 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 yeah. I was... I you was went to ch- Catholic school? Sorry? You went to Catholic school? Yeah. I would have never guessed, bro. Most people never don't. Never guessed, Most bro. people don't. <laughs> it's so funny. It's so, it was so funny. The other night when I was out after doing a street talk segment, yeah. uh, the first we filmed our first street talk segment's going to be coming soon. Yeah. We, um, <laughs> we, I bumped into someone I went to Catholic school with. Yeah. And he was like friendly and whatnot. And he sees me going into Connections, mm. which is obviously a gay bar and things like that. Mm. But I was there for a friend's show and he just sees me. Yeah. And like, he was like, man, I've been listening to your podcast. Keep doing what you're doing, man. It's yeah. funny as shit. And he was like, I would not have picked you for fucking going down this route, man. So <laughs> it's funny how things like pan out and change, yeah. you know. Yeah. But um, I'm curious to know, like, I think being an actor, like trying to act in either a play or a TV show or a movie does seem, it does have an appeal to me. I can see the Mm -hmm. appeal in it, but you say like you wanted to be an actor and like you say like very adamant about that. Yeah. What started that for you? Like what was the, what was the origin of that like desire? Yeah. Um, I, I could remember this story, uh, like to the tip of the iceberg uh, when i was younger um my uncle mm-hmm. right has always told me that um in certain certain times i i tend to like act different mm. different in the sense that like um he would just pop up a scenario and be like oh there's two guys there and then you're this guy you're that guy acted out mm-hmm. so i've always um he's always told me that i had a I had a very good um, acting sense of picking up things really quick. Right. And then I watched uh, a lot of Denzel Washington's movies. It's great acting. Yeah. So when I saw that, I was like, you know, I I actually want to be an actor. Mm. I really want to be an actor. And then when comedy popped out, I was like, well, the two things are kind of similar. Because either way, when you're on stage, you're acting. I I put it down to 
comedians are playing an exaggerated version of themselves. Mm-hmm. I, I think because you, you you kind of want to be kind of genuine when you're doing comedy, well, mostly genuine when you're yeah. doing comedy, but obviously you need to play up and exaggerate your traits. Mm-hmm. So I totally get where you, get what you're saying when comed- when it is kind of an act on yeah. stage, but. Yeah, so I, I do see what you're saying there, and I've said that in other episodes where it's it's yeah, we're exaggerating our personalities to the yeah. nth degree to get yeah. a reaction. Yeah, you know? definitely, because um, because even what you're saying on stage or how you are on stage, like persona wise, once you get off stage, that persona is not there anymore. Yeah, it's it it might be. I mean, not there anymore. I think uh, it's, it's hidden in a sense. Yes, that, yeah, yes, Unless yes. you get back on stage. And yes, hold, yes, Like once you once you hold up mic, you have like a like a different sense. Like it's you kind yes. of like a whole totally different type mm. of person. And then once you get off on like someone mentioned that comedians are just people that are bipolar. Apparently, so I was like, ah. This I guy. think I think every comedian has some kind of learning disorder or mental deficiency. Yeah, like. I think most comedian, like I think most comedians, have some kind of ADHD or ADD. Mm-hmm. Um, a couple of them are definitely autistic. Yeah. Like the, the, and bipolar as well would not surprise me because I just mm-hmm. think it's it's the personality switch for me. Yeah. Like when I'm on stage, I'm I say horrendous shit. You're coming out. So you you're calm right now, but when I yeah. see you on stage, you have like a whole different energy. Yeah, and, and that's why I'm like, you know, once you get up on stage, there's like this, there's like this difference mm. in the person. It just gives them some sort of like confidence to yeah. speak about certain things. Yes, and you know, like um, I don't know if it's pressure wise or if it's like um, whatever wise, but it's just you're just different yeah. when you're on stage, which is I love seeing that. Yeah, it's it's fun. It's mm. fun. And even though, like, I don't think, like, um, I still feel like I'm being myself on stage, but I'm letting... It's it's a different... Like, we all have different faces we show to the world, right? Yeah, yeah. You know? And some faces only people closer to us get to see. Some yeah. faces, you know, we... We like we literally put together for the world to see, you yeah. know, and like it's not necessarily a deception. It's still very much us, but we are choosing what people get to see of us at what times, you know. Yes, but definitely, do you find it, it's funny you say that? Where like you know, I've got this energy and frantic things mm-hmm. about me. I find like I get frantic and kind of talkative and I get this kind of nervous energy on stage, which I think mm-hmm. helps me because yeah. it, it it helps me like focus the energy onto on the stage that I want. Yeah. Do you find you get that before you go on stage? You get this kind of this energy that sort of... Dude, um, I'm always nervous before I get up on stage. Yes. My heart races like... <laughs> A thousand miles, yeah, a minute, bum, yeah, bum, bum. but as soon as there are, ladies and gentlemen, chief Kose, as soon as I hold up mic, as soon as I hold it, mm. I'm calm, yes, and I just start talking, yeah, I'm calm. But before that stage, everything. But I had a, I had a conversation with someone, um, and they, they said it's a good thing, like apparently that happens because you care about it. I I've heard that said before, and I would agree mm-hmm. with it. Yeah. Even though I think comedy, you don't want to. I think comedy is one of the few arts where you don't. You certainly never want to pander to the audience. Yeah, you kind of you need to you need to challenge them, so to speak. Mm-hmm. But 
you certainly don't want to not care about your performance. You want yeah. to put on a good performance. You want to put on a good show. Yeah. But it's, I, I think it's a balance between putting on a good show and still being like challenging and, yeah. you know, sort of confrontational with the audience almost. Yeah. You need to do. Yeah. You need to. That's how, that's how you're like, um, that's how you become likable. Yes. Because um, one thing, one thing I, um, I normally um, gauge my writing from is that you don't have to be funny, but you have to be interesting. Everyone going up stage wants to be funny. Mm. but that's what makes you different if you're interesting yes and that's when people captivating what you're saying because what you're saying is different what you're saying is more interesting it gets mm. like a whole different perspective outside the box as opposed to hey i want to be funny joke after joke after joke yeah so um i never thought of it that way before but i can see how that might work for that works for a lot of comedians but i don't even know if they're doing it intentionally because i think the a comedian comes to mind on the local Perth scene, and that's Daniel Del Borio. Yeah, Delby, Delby. Daniel Delby. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm probably yeah. I knew I was butchering that name. Yeah, yeah. Um, he, I've seen him on stage a couple of times, and while he is very, very funny, he's also like quite interesting on stage in mm-hmm. terms of like he raps and things like that, and he tells these interesting stories. Yeah, and you can tell by like his charisma, he's he's a little bit different, so to speak. Mm-hmm. But um, I do find being interesting comes in many shapes and forms. Mm-hmm. Like I kind of had a, a reputation amongst my friends as being a bit of a wild unit party animal. Mm-hmm. And I thought, well, and not like just the kind of, kind of a different kind of party. Yeah. And the, I kind of wanted to kind of bring that to stage a bit. And when I wore that onesie on stage for the mm-hmm. first time, Felt like I was in like Batman's armor. Yeah, you know, I was just more like, confidence. I was just more. I could focus more. I was mm-hmm. comfortable. Yeah, it it did something for me, which mm. I don't know if I'll. I hope to replicate when I wear it again on yeah. stage. That can be like your persona. Like people can. It is. Like sometimes people won't even remember mm. your name. I'm like, oh, the guy that wears the what's his name the again? Onesie. What's his name? Yeah, but like yeah. boom, and then yeah, then like oh, Alex. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah, so yeah, yeah. That can be something that people can can recognize you. Yeah, recognize you about. Like yeah. even with my early years of doing stand up comedy, um, I I literally started in my early years of comedy with mainly like um the ethnic crowd. Yeah, right? like like the black crowd, and I always wore like this. This African attire portraying like a like an African dad, so mm-hmm. I had it for like years, and then I just stopped using it. Yeah. So it kind of gave me that confidence to wear it until I felt like you know what I don't need this anymore. Let me break out of my shell with it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I I respect that, but I think uh, some personas, so to speak, always work for comedians. It's almost. I don't think there's anything wrong with them and wanting to try and shed it, but yeah. it's for for sometimes I don't think it's uh, necessary. Not that I might ever not shed, shed the onesie. We'll, mm-hmm. we'll see how it goes. Like I'm enjoying it for now. Yeah. But like, if you take Cat Williams for example, mm-hmm. he's always kind of dressed to the nines when yeah. he's on the stage. Cat is legendary. Yeah. And Cat Williams is one of the best. Yeah. I've I remember hearing a story about Cat Williams. Yeah. Where he th- th- there was a comedy show mm-hmm. and apparently it was a comedy show where there was about five comics each with like 20 25 minutes yeah 
and it was in it was in some part of California. Yeah. But the audience, like the first comic, went out there, mm-hmm. and the audience was just chaotic. They yeah. heckled him. They wouldn't stop shouting. Like he couldn't get a joke in. It was just like absolute destruction, you know. Mm-hmm. And he just walked off stage after ten minutes, mm-hmm. and. All the other comics were like, we can't do a show in this. Like, this crowd's, mm-hmm. like, just wild, you know? And Cat Williams is... Cat Williams, who wasn't even meant to be on stage at the time, apparently, according to this story, mm-hmm. he went on stage and just controlled the audience. And that's what I've heard, like, from different podcasts and different famous comedians, that mm-hmm. Cat Williams can work a chaotic audience better than anyone else. Mm-hmm. You know, like... The, the, like Cat don't give a fuck. No, he doesn't. He doesn't. And, like, the, the way he works that chaotic room is just amazing. And the room's always chaotic, yet somehow he's controlling it. Mm-hmm. It's not like Dave Chappelle. And I love both of them. I think both of them are great. Mm-hmm. But Dave Chappelle is kind of like... He holds your attention. He keeps it like mm-hmm. he keeps you in control mm-hmm. rather than con- like working with you and con- like moving with you. You know, mm-hmm. he kind of, that's why he kind of leads you up to those jokes, which are always hilarious. Mm-hmm. And yeah, so that's one thing I noticed about Cat Williams. And, but he's always dressed to the nines. Mm-hmm. You know, he's always in those just pimped out. Yeah. wicked outfits mm-hmm. and i think it works for his persona yeah it does yeah 100 percent. 100 percent. so and yeah he's obviously one of the best comedians to ever do it yeah like it's a shame he's kind of gone off the rails in recent years but he's actually i've actually seen a few sets he's done recently like snippets of it mm-hmm. he still works that stage yeah it's like he can be off the rails as much as he wants he gets on that stage and he still makes it hit his bitch, you know, mm-hmm. he's incredible. Definitely. Can I ask, I ask this of all comedians, what's your personal Matt Rushmore of comedy? Um, Matt Rushmore, like your favorites. Yeah, your four okay. favorite comedians. Uh, I'm only saying this, but not in like a, in like a, um, a ranking manner, but people that I watched more is uh, Patrice O'Neill. Oh, I love Patrice. Patrice O'Neill, yeah. um, Bill Burr. Yep. Bill Burr. Uh, I'm between Richard Pryor and Bernie Mac. Richard Pryor. Both are good though. Yeah. Bernie Mac and yeah. Richard Pryor. Yeah. I got Richard Pryor and and fourth Kevin Hart. Kevin Hart. Yeah. Interesting. And um and in terms of breaking it down as to why I I chose those four is that when it comes to um storytelling and like um packing up how much you can say in a story, I I watched um Kevin Hart for that. Yeah. And when it comes to like topics and um not being afraid to say what you want to say and how you want to say it, I watch Patrice O'Neill. Yes. Yeah. Bill Burr, like confidence wise of not giving a fuck about whatever you want to say however way they want to um interpret it however way they want to accept it it's yeah. a damn problem yeah but just say it anyway and break it down 100 percent bill burr mm. charisma like um very hard to everything go. yeah richard Pryor. yeah 
that's I was about Richard to guess you would say that, and I was going to say like, as far as on stage charisma goes, it's very hard to beat Richard Pryor Definitely. back in the day. My own personal one would yeah. be Billy Connolly. Yeah, yeah he's Big, good. Yeah, he's just, Colin is great. I just think he did. I, I think he changed the kind of concept for working class comedy. Yeah. Because if you look at all working class comedians that came before Billy Connolly, he was just, they're all vulgarians, which mm-hmm. is, th- that can absolutely be funny. And I'm not frowning upon that sort of humor. Yeah. But here comes a comedian that can be clean uh, for the most part. He still uses a few swear words, but he's like not vulgar. Yeah. And he makes very clever jokes and he's a great storyteller, you know? Mm-hmm. So I think he was that he was that first kind of shift in working class comedy where like wor- the working class could be seen as yeah. smart, clever comics. Yeah. After that, I think it's Norm Macdonald because I just think he's the comics comic, yeah. you know. Norm Macdonald, great yeah. guy. Then it's probably Dave Chappelle just because I he, he always seems to keep the audience hanging on his every word. Mm-hmm. And then uh, fourth, it was Richard Pryor. Yeah. yeah. So we share that one just because, again, I think as well as his charisma, he was doing things like he was doing things on stage that are like so much of the prototype for what later comics did. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And he, he was the first to do so much. So I think Richard Pryor is is fantastic. Mm-hmm. And not only that, like, you know how there are some comedians and we, we call them comedians, but they're comedic actors mainly. Yeah. Like Will Ferrell. Yeah. Um, Zach Galifianakis. They they understand comedy. They understand what's funny, but they're not mm-hmm. stand-ups, you know what yeah. I mean? Yeah. Um, and I think Richard Pryor was kind of, and And the thing is, I see a lot of them, like take the Monty Python guys, for example. Mm-hmm. They understand comedy better than most people ever will. Yeah. Never done stand-up ever. Mm-hmm. But you take like Richard Pryor, he was actually did really funny movies mm-hmm. and he did really, really funny stand-up. Yeah. And I think he may have been the first one to like really bridge that gap between both. Yeah. And then like- because you think of every famous comedian before that, like Robert um, Dangerfield. Yeah. No, Dangerfield. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, a better stand-up. And he yeah. did movies, but he wasn't like a notoriously yeah. great actor. Yeah, Dangerfield's good. Yeah. Chevy Chase is another one. Um, uh, John Belushi, John Candy, all those guys. Mm-hmm. But then Richard Pryor comes along and I just think, yeah, with that, with that different kind of charisma, he mm-hmm. was just, he could breach both worlds. You know, yeah. I love Richard Pryor. And I only started getting him into, into him in like the last four years. Yeah. And then I was watching him. I'm like, holy fuck, he's yeah. so good. Yeah, Richard, Richard's good. Man. Yeah. Richard's good. Mm. And like I'd heard the name float around for ages and I was like, ah, uh, I got to check him out. I got to check him out. And then when I checked him out, I was just, I just went down the rabbit hole on him. Mm-hmm. He's so good. He is. Yeah. Legendary. Yeah. Legendary. As far as your acting, though, like you mentioned Denzel Washington. Yeah. Which I commend you. I mem- I had a segment which I've cut from the show. Mm-hmm. I had this segment called Non-Pedophile of the Week. Yeah. Which was basically where, you know, we, we accused most of Hollywood, especially the ones that were famous before 2005, of being, you know, sex offenders and yeah. pedophiles and things like Crazy. that. But we had one Non-Pedophile of the Week. Mm-hmm. And Denzel Washington made the list yeah. uh, because he's one of the few actors that has been married to like one woman for 
most mm-hmm. of his life now at this yeah. point. So, you know, and that's like a just a pattern of behavior we noticed. It's a great example. Mm. But it's funny... It's funny you mentioned him. Are there any other actors that you sort of looked up to? It's very hard to get anything better than Denzel Washington. Yeah, it is. Just it when is. you look at his like range and resume. Yeah, it is. It is. Um, uh, Leonardo, Leonardo DiCaprio. Mm-hmm. Leonardo DiCaprio. DiCaprio is good. This is excellent. And um, can't remember his name. This gentleman. Um, rest in peace to him. He he acted as the Joker. He's Australian. Oh, he's Ledger. Yes. yes. Legendary. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Legendary yeah. performance in the Joker. Yeah. I loved him. He died too soon. That's right? the only person that has acted as a villain and people loved the way he acted. Yeah. I think he he's kind of he kind of changed what a villain could be on screen. Yeah. 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 You know? Legendary performance, man. You look at all villains before him, all like movie villains, mm-hmm. they're all these vile, vile mm-hmm. people yeah. that don't have much duality. Mm-hmm. And we don't really want to understand them because yeah. they're so vile. Mm-hmm. He was the first. I mean, maybe there were a couple of characters before that. Yeah. But he was but the n- likable villain. Yes. He was not only the likable villain, you wanted to understand why he was the way he was. Yeah. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And then when you, you hear his monologues in it where he's talking about, you know, the depravities of society, it's mm-hmm. like, and you and you hear his complaints about society mm-hmm. in that movie, you look at it and it goes, oh, this man's been damaged by society, mm-hmm. which is like, that's understandable why he's a villain then. Yeah. So, I feel like he's probably... That first villain who you have empathy for without seeing why you have empathy yeah. for him. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, in that case, like, he's truly, truly fucking iconic, you know? Yeah, he is. Such a shame Heath Ledger died so young. I, know. I feel like his so, best work was yet to come. Yeah, literally. Yeah. Literally. But but he did leave us with something that we can we can always watch and um mm. and thank him for. Yeah, absolutely. The, the dark yeah. night. Yeah. Yeah. And I think he did um oh there's something else called Ten Things I Heard About You. Yeah, that was a that. He's done yeah. he's done actually if you look at his resume, he has done I like him for a lot more than the Joker. Yeah. He did a film called Four Feathers, which was great. Four Feathers. He did The Patriot with Mel Gibson, which was great. Mm-hmm. A Knight's Tale. Mel Gibson was, was big. Yeah. I haven't, I haven't heard that name in a while. But yeah. Mel, back when I was young, every movie, Mel Gibson. Mel he Gibson, was Mel at Gibson. one point the biggest star in the world. Literally. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Literally, man. That period from the late 90s to that early 2000s before those fucking phone calls. Man, yeah. Mel, Mel Gibson, Mel Gibson. Mm. I, I haven't heard that name in a while, but... Mm. And he was a fucking good actor too. Yeah, he was. Never he won was. an Oscar for acting though. He's won all of his Oscars for directing. Oh really? Yeah, 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 yeah. Shit. He's a better. He's a good actor, but he's a better director. Mm. I don't know because he he directed Braveheart. He directed um, Apocalypto. Mm-hmm. He directed Hacksaw Ridge, mm-hmm. and there was another one he directed that I'm forgetting, but it's got me fucked right now. Yeah. There, there, there was another big movie he directed, but I, I, I took, the names totally eluded me now. Oh, okay. But yeah, he's. Fucking yeah, he was like the biggest star in the world at one nah, point. Nah, he was, he was. Yeah. And then another good actor is um, um Idris Elba. 
Oh yeah, Idris. yeah, 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 I yeah. Them. I remember I watched, got into that show, Luther. Yeah, Luther. Luther. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's pretty fucking good. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You you seen um Lupin? No, but I want to. Yeah, yes, yes. Classic. Mm. Lupin, Lupin was good. I didn't, I didn't get it at first, but watched it again. It was, it was really good. Mm. Yeah. Do you think though, real quick? Yeah. In terms of, I think, and I kind of am a movie buff. Like yeah. I was the youngest of six kids. Yeah. And I remember, like, my mum at that point was just so fucking busy that, like, yeah. I never lacked for love. Not my mum didn't fucking neglect me or abuse me. Yeah. But a big way my mum would like just deal with me and just mm-hmm. make sure I knew I was okay was just to park me in front of a screen and leave me there. Oh, so okay. I was left alone with a lot of movies. So I kind of became a movie buff. Yeah. And that kind of again, I was always stuck with the same movies, so I never really got away from them. But as I got older, I kind of got to appreciate more movies and more actors yeah. and more directors and things like that. Directors in particular. Mm-hmm. Um, I do think one of the more underrated actors for our time, mm-hmm. like critically underrated is A, Michael Fassbender. Yeah. And B, Denzel Washington's son. Yeah. Something Washington. Yeah, I watched. Um, speaking about him, I, I watched a movie. I, I don't know what it's called, but it's like, like things actually happen before it happens. Um, which one was this? Denzel Washington's son. Yeah, Denzel Washington's yeah, son. Was I, I don't know what the movie called. Christopher Nolan was. Um, oh, it was. Uh, Tenant. Tenant. Yes. Yeah. That's the one. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah it was. He it was, was phenomenal in that. Yeah, and he another really guy good. is uh, Keon Keon Reeves. Keanu Reeves. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Oh, guys. Such good action yeah. style. Yeah. Mate, but like um there there's one movie up till now, no matter how many times I watch it, I still don't understand it. The Matrix. You don't meant to understand that movie. Dude, I have yeah, watched yeah, yeah, The yeah, Matrix yeah. fucking so many times, bro. Dude. I can't understand shit. I tried watching it for the I even watched the new one at the movies. I still didn't understand it. I watched the old one, the first one, second one, third one. I just cannot understand the whole no. concept. Off the Matrix. I, I totally get where you're coming from, but I realized a while ago, I'm not meant to understand this movie. I'm just meant to enjoy yeah. the cinematic fucking adventure that yeah, the literally. Cohen, the, yeah, the, the Coens, because yeah. they're, the, they're both, so the Coen brothers, they, they were the brothers when they yeah. first directed it, but now they're trans, so they're the Coen sisters now. Oh, yeah. Uh, when they first did that movie, mm-hmm. I think it's the Coens. I, I, I don't know who directed. No, the Wachowskis. It's yeah. the Wachowskis. Yeah. Um, and yeah, the when the Wachowskis like directed that original fucking movie, like mm-hmm. it was like cinematically like very few movies have come before and made a movie and- in such a closed environment so yeah. cinematically amazing. Yeah. You know, you look at movies like. All the Marvel movies or Avatar movies, they're these cinematically masterful films, but they're all in such big, big environments. Yeah. When yeah. you see like Matrix, it's all hallways, yeah. small streets, yeah, rooms man, and things like that. But it's still 
cinematically amazing like mm. the things they capture and like the way they film it it's like it's crazy, man it's bro. fucking amazing you know it is whenever i tell people i don't understand the matrix they're like what mm. but I, I just i just don't understand it's barely understand i just don't you know. just just enjoy the action scenes, yeah man. yeah it's the same as it's the same as uh what's the other fucking it's kind of the same as the Fast and Furious films, even though I'm yeah. not into them hugely. And I don't rate them as highly as I do The Matrix. But that's like, if you're watching Fast and Furious for the plot, mm-hmm. you've come to the wrong movie. Yeah. Because you'll be just, sorely disappointed. Just enjoy the, the car chasing yeah. and, and whatever you got to enjoy from it. Exactly. But it's a good, it's a good franchise, though. It's a good franchise. It's, you know, I, I can't say I, I kind of got off board after a bit because mm-hmm. it's, I do like something more from my films. I think, yeah. like, and that's kind of why I think TV has become more prevalent. Mm-hmm. Like, you remember, James, you'd know James Gandolfini, Sopranos. Yeah, yeah yes, yeah. yeah. And, um, like, I think people are realising TV is a much better way of storytelling because it allows more room for narrative, more room for character, and more room for character development. Yeah, because. When you can stretch, when you can do 12 episodes, one hour episodes a season, so much room for development. You take a two to three hour movie, you've you've got constraints, you know? Just got to focus on getting things direct Mm. and all of that. Yeah. And even with like TV series, I I watch a lot. I watch a lot of it Mm. because I like to write as well, not just like um, comedy, like sitcoms. Right. And all that. I did write one sitcom years ago. I'm still yet to like um, speak to specific people about it because I'm still looking at the, you know how things are changing? Yeah. As, as it changes. So every time I try to go back to it and like revamp it as to what is happening now and all of that. Try so, and keep it current. Yes. Yeah. Yes. That, that, that's the right word. Current. Mm. I, would, uh, I would fucking love to... Yeah, you need to tell me whose dick I need to suck to get on a movie set. Yeah, <laughs> I'll do it, man. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. Nah, like, like even with that, bro. Like, like you're. I've seen your standout. You're, you're really smart, bro. Yeah, you know, like you can even write like you know. How you say you've been watching TVs and all of that. You mm. can even get like ideas of like short films. Oh yeah. Like I, yeah, I write yeah, a yeah, lot. Yeah. Like even when I was acting, I feel like there wasn't much opportunity, so I wanted to create my own opportunities. I yeah. wrote short movies. I wrote sitcoms. They're still in the archives, man. Yeah. They're still in like a USB. I haven't even like done nothing with it yet i totally get you there because in terms of watching things that remind you of other things Mm -hmm. you said earlier where it's like when you watch tv and you watch things and it helps with writing and things like that because obviously you never want to steal jokes you don't want to be a carlos mencia or anything like that or an amy schumer but you do want to i've I've actually been hearing for let me not cut you i've actually been hearing a lot of rumors about Amy Schumer and like other people's jokes, but I'm, I've never really like followed it up or like checked up on it. It's true, man. Or none of that. It's true. It. it she, she's true. she's still doing stand up comedy or yeah. Oh shit! I thought normally when you like take people's jokes and all of that, you get like black cut or like you get cut out of certain I, I, things. I, I, think, I still think she's doing comedy. Like I could be wrong. Mm-hmm. And I usually am about most things, mm-hmm. but uh, I yeah I think I still think she, some rooms take her on, but yeah like she's one of those she's a big name though she like, she was the biggest fucking name like in comedy for like a minute yeah you know she was a huge name for for, for a fucking minute 
but yeah, it just wasn't destined to be. But like, yeah, you can't steal jokes, but I don't think there's anything wrong. Like, you know, when you're watching something, whether mm-hmm. it be stand up, a movie or a show mm-hmm. and you see something that reminds you of something that reminds you of something that mm-hmm. reminds you of something that is the semblance of a joke. Mm-hmm. You know, one thing idea leads to another, which leads to a joke. Literally. And yeah. uh, I like when it comes to like certain things, no idea is original. No, because there's only no, so much originality in the world. No idea yeah. is original. So yeah. you just got to say it from your own perspective. Yeah. Really. And like, like I would rather not, not perform for like a whole year if I don't have something to say from my own perspective. Yes. I'd rather yes. just write, write, write until yeah. I can say, okay, look, I, I've got enough to like go perform now. Mm. So it, I think I, I've had some success lately in being original. Mm-hmm. Like, but I can like, you know, I hear people say, oh, you know, I can't think of anything. I feel like. Watch the news, bro. Oh, yeah. Fucking course. CNN. CNN gives me so much. Thank you to whoever fucking runs CNN, bro. <laughs> CNN gives me so much materials. Yeah. CNN, BBC, mm. Al Jazeera. So much materials about what's happening across yeah. the world. You, you can just fucking go on Facebook and Instagram for like international news. Literally, get big. literally. So like, big. news is definitely a fucking out. Uh, I had mate. a joke I'm working on about Conor McGregor because apparently Conor McGregor is going to be in the new Roadhouse film, yeah, the new Roadhouse remake, yeah. And uh, my bit was, it's like, oh, it makes me think he's a bit of a method actor, you know, because mm-hmm. he's been preparing for the role of a coked head fuckwit for years. <laughs> you know? And it's like, gives me, gives me some hope. <laughs> Gives me some hope for John Travolta that he'll get the role he's been preparing for, you know, like the role of a closeted gay man. So like, I really want to use that on stage. I like the I like the John Travolta's movie Gutty. Uh, you like that? Yeah. No. Not okay. Reason why I say I like that because uh, I they used to have this uh, I don't know what channel it is. They used to put like these mafia stuff. So, like, mm. I find those very interesting, like Narcos, Pablo Escobar. So when he he did the movie Gotti, I just liked the story behind it because I already watched uh, documentaries about John Gotti, so I needed to like watch that movie. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, I I thought the movie did not deserve the rating it was. I thought it was better than that. Mm-hmm. I did not think it was as i didn't think it was great either though i didn't think it deserved to be as like dragged through the dirt as it was though Mm -hmm. john travolta is a good actor amazing actor. yeah but he i feel like he has trouble selecting his roles Mm -hmm. like sometimes he's just had a fucking couple of bad movies where he's had a couple of bad roles but it's not been because of his acting Mm -hmm. his acting has always been on point yeah like and that's kind of what makes me think. Like, I remember I was talking about it with my dad recently. One actor we've like we, we talk about movies and things like that. Yeah. One actor we've been paying attention to, who just seems impervious to doing a bad movie, mm-hmm. was Tom Hardy. Mm-hmm. And we were like, he every role movie he it, it's almost like he the picks, Venom guy, the Venom guy. Yeah, 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 yeah it's yeah. almost like he picks what move the last Venom movie. Get it? Questionable, but mm-hmm. everything before that. Yeah. It just seems it almost yeah, it's almost like he just picks and knows mm. what to pick. Yeah. As funny. You I think know? he just knows himself and, and what he can fit into. Yeah. Yeah. What so. character he yeah. can play, you know. Yeah. Not that he de- like he definitely takes on what appear to be challenging roles. Mm-hmm. You know, he did that film uh Bronson. I don't know if you ever saw that film. No. 
that was a film that kind of got him noticed by everyone because that was his first big, big major role. lead role. Yeah. yeah. And uh, he was amazing in that. He played this larger-than-life uh prison inmate it was mm-hmm. a biopic of a of a uk prison inmate you know the, mm. the world's most dangerous inmate and uh-huh. uh yeah and he played him to the nth degree and it was a fucking awesome film mm. and then he's played other roles and he did that tv that miniseries taboo which was fuck it, it, it's on netflix if you haven't seen it i recommend it i'll it's, check it out it's I'll check fucking it out. amazing it is dark as shit mm. and yeah, it's it's phenomenal. But he, yeah, he just seems to pick his roles so well. Whereas mm-hmm. John Travolta, amazing actor, doesn't fucking pick your roles. Yeah, makes you think. Like you certainly need to be careful in what projects you dip your toe into. Yeah, but. definitely make or break, basically. Mm. But then again, as well, I do think there's some. There's, I mean, it's probably different. Like depending on what art form you're in because i've had mm-hmm. rappers and musicians and comedians and drag queens and l the whole shazam on mm-hmm. this podcast yeah it definitely seems to me like depending on what art you're in yeah you need to take more of a chance with some art like with especially with comedy you'll never know what's going to work until you put it out there literally yeah it's a risk man and literally and sometimes you've got something really funny but it fails the first time mm-hmm. and you need to take it back to the workshop and like Dude, tinker with it. Dude, I've been before. Boo. Yeah. At the lounge as well. They are, remember that lounge was at Charles Hotel? No, it was before my time. Yeah, lounge was like at Charles Hotel once. I uh, I think that was my first time or second time at the lounge. I was booed. Well, whoever Crazy. booed whoever booed you, Fuck that guy, man! Nah, like it was a, it was an awakening, basically. Like I, I'm, I'm grateful to a certain extent that I was booed because it kind of like made me understand that I can be better. Yeah, yeah and I all that. that. Like, um, I almost quit as well, but I was like, you know, what, fuck it, fuck it. He says, yeah, I was like, fuck it, dude. Let me, let me get up there again. You know, it mm. took some time to get up there, but when I got up there, I ripped it. Yeah. Which is which is good. I think my first performance went surprisingly well for my first time. Yeah. But I definitely my second performance a bit shaky. Wasn't bad, but it was a mm. bit shaky. Third performance I bombed. Yeah. But I was like, you know, obviously you feel like shit, but just gotta keep going, man. Yeah. That's you the thing literally with comedy. Yeah. All you need is one ear yes. to just like you or listen to you. Yes. Like you might do like a whole ninety minutes. Yeah. Fuck it. And then you go do five minutes. So I'm like, you know, I like that guy. Yeah. Fuck it. Let me let me do something with him. Yeah. And that's how you just pop up, man. You just gotta. It's like it's like music. Just gotta keep putting it out there, putting it out there until. Something yeah, just, and that's that's kind of like, I've just started making these little experimental videos on TikTok, mm-hmm. which have which has been fun for me, but it's also kind of being like. It kind of is the cheapest form of entertainment because it's yeah. like a five-second clip. You're taking a soundtrack. You're doing mm-hmm. something over with it. It's not entirely original, mm-hmm. but you do have to be clever in terms of what you apply it to. Yeah. So even though it is, I think it's a very, very cheap form of entertainment, mm-hmm. it does require a certain amount of thought put into it. Yeah. And so I find TikTok videos, even though it's certainly not what I want to make my bread and butter from, and it's certainly what it's not what I want to be known for. Mm-hmm. As far as a creative outlet, I find it's a really good exercise. It's like, a for huge comedy. platform too. Yeah, TikTok it's massive. Video. Like if you don't take advantage of it, I think huge you're a platform. fucking idiot. You know, yeah. why not take advantage of it? Mm-hmm. But um, 
yeah, stand up. I've kind of been involved in stand up for about five, six months now. Yeah. And man, I've just, I've just fucking fallen in love with it. It's like a drug, bro. It is. You can't get enough of it. Yeah. You might stay away for like a month or two, but then you just come back like you an addict. Gotta, uh, it's, it's, it's good. It's, it's When you're fun. on that stage and the entire room is hanging on yeah. your every word, it's just like, oh my the God. pressure. Yeah. It's competitive as well, bro. It, it is. And... Competitive in a sense, not like a hateful competition. No. Competitive in a sense that, okay. That, oh, there's a little bit of hate out there. Yeah, a like, lot. from me, no. But, like, mm. I know other, other people not, like yeah, hate. Yeah. Like, me, I'm genuine and all of that. So, it's kind of like, okay, cool. You get up there, you kill it, right? Yeah. I need to be on that same wavelength. That's yeah. what I mean by competition. So, you get up there, you kill it. I cannot come out there and bring the atmosphere down. Yes. i got to keep it up or go higher. Yeah. Or keep it at the same level that you just walked off on. Yeah. So that's what I mean by competition. Yeah, there's definitely, and I definitely see that in terms of like recognition competition. Mm -hmm. I don't think most of the comedians I've met Mm -hmm. have been awesome. Most of the comedians I've met have been so wonderful and so fantastic and so welcoming and supportive of me. And they've given me like fair, good, honest feedback. Mm -hmm. Like when I've done well, they've been like, man, that was really good. When like, you know, I haven't all like I run a joke by them and they're like, maybe think of doing it this way or mm-hmm. that way or something yeah. like that, you know. And most comics are like that. And mm-hmm. even the comics who I haven't had like a, a huge amount to do with, like have been like friendly and, and respectful to me. Yeah. So like for the most part, the comedy community is an extremely welcoming, warm community, yeah. even though there is that competition which you're talking about. Like, yeah. I totally see that. There's, there is competition. I, I do know. think, yeah, th- th- there is, certainly when it comes to a show, there's a competition. Yeah. Most people see, mm. like, even as much as they're nice and all of that, like, some people see other people as a threat or, like, a competition, like, either way. Yeah. Because they feel like they should get that opportunity or they feel like they should be there as opposed to you. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. And I, just, I can totally see that. Like, we're all jealous of someone who's in a higher spot. Like, but, you know, I remember I did the Funniest Five competition a couple of weeks ago. Mm-hmm. And apparently I came fourth in the votes, but only three get through the heat. Mm-hmm. And it was Xavier, Zashai, Sadi Jalabi, and Jill who mm-hmm. got through. Yeah. And I was just like, what good people to lose to, you mm-hmm. know? So f- for me, and I'm still so new to it, they're so much more experienced than me. Yeah. So for me, it wasn't a case of, oh, I've lost. For yeah. me, it was a case, oh, I've lost to such worthy competitors, they deserve yeah. to win. Yeah. So for me, that's kind of how I kind of ground myself a bit, I guess. I always try and... Mm. I like your way of thinking. Yeah. That's good. It's, it's a nice, it kind of... Some wouldn't think that way, bro. Some wouldn't. Some wouldn't, I see that, but mm. like... Take your hats off to the better performer. Hundred percent, hundred. You know, and it's like, and who knows what the better performer will be on the night? Yeah, I've seen Andrew Wolf bomb. Yeah, and I've seen Andrew Wolf bomb on nights where a comedian who I've also seen bombed did really well. Mm-hmm. You know, so it's like it goes both ways, and the yeah. audience is funny like that. Yeah, oh, man, it's it's brutal like yeah. that, bro. You're never not gonna know what audience you get in. Nah. Just when you think you've got a great oh, 10, yeah. 15 yeah. minutes together, mate. Yeah, it just you, you saw you got a t- 
test them first before you like get into like yeah your drugs like yeah unless you're first on the bill yeah but you gotta like observe oh yeah what, yeah yeah like, yeah you seriously gotta observe so and... always listen okay mm. cool this is how this is this this is this yeah. so when i get up on stage i just that's why i think the i think rooms mm. uh, in terms of when they're determined to put on a good performance mm-hmm. um they put on the comedians first that are really, really good or know how to butter up the crowd really well. Yeah, MCs you know? or something. Exactly, yeah. Like uh, an opening act, while I think is difficult, when you've got a good opener to come on and like butter up the crowd, it makes all the difference. Mm-hmm. Look, I'm just going to turn this light on. Sure, bro. Let's get it up. And help yourself to water, bro. Yeah, other man. Mm-hmm. And, um, but you gotta love the 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 challenge, the the challenge to it, regardless. Yeah. You know I mean? Like like sometimes I like I like challenging crowds. Oh because yeah. Ideally, you know that okay, these jokes have worked with like crowd that are laughing. Why isn't it working here? Yeah. So then you can go back to the drawing board and be like, okay, it didn't work because of blah blah blah. Mm. So that's why I always try to like with me. I always try to record, um, wherever I perform. Yeah. Yeah. I, and then I watch it. Like yeah. see movements, how I can like, how my movements can be better or when should I be steady mm. and when should I have like a higher pitch voice or when should I like keep like a normal voice as to everything. And yes. All that. So even with that, um, I don't know, with the joke about COVID and ISIS, right? Mm-hmm. It took a lot of time to really perfect um, certain, certain words or like to the punchline itself. Yeah. Like I've got videos of it when I first said it the week after I said it, blah, 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 until now. Mm. I always try to, like, subtract words or, like, add words. Yes. And all of that, just to perfect it. Yeah. I see that. I, I can see where you're coming from with that. It's, like, I, I remember the the two sets I recorded, I kind of was a bit skeptical for a long time about recording my sets mm-hmm. because, but I wish I'd done it sooner. Yeah. In one sense, another sense, I think it, it, uh, I'm glad I didn't because mm-hmm. it probably, the, the, the practice of going up and trying everything from recollection and thought, mm-hmm. I, I enjoyed the practice of that. But recording a set, especially the visual, because it's like the visual of the performance, like people think like it's just you telling jokes, but it's like the way you, Use your face, your expression, your hands matter mm-hmm. in a joke too. Yeah. And that's another thing. I remember talking to a a burlesque dancer about this when we were mm-hmm. comparing. I haven't had her on the podcast yet. Yeah. But I'm lining her up. Uh, she, she was like, I, I was commenting on her performance and it was a great performance. And she was, you know, we got to talking about comedy and we made the observation that Jokes are always under workshop. Mm-hmm. Jokes are never perfected. It's not like a dance routine that eventually with enough practice, you'll get per- you, it'll be perfect mm-hmm. and it'll be ready to put on in front of a show. Yeah. Like jokes are always under refurbishment, Literally. under reevaluation. Literally. Even like on a night where you use the joke and you've used the joke a hundred times and it's made them laugh a hundred times. You're always thinking of, how can I do this a little bit better? How can I extend it? Exactly. How can I, I, 
you're always thinking of how to boil it down, flesh it out, mm-hmm. or like, yeah, you know what I mean? Yeah. So a, a great example is uh is Bill Burr. You watch Bill Burr Paper Tiger? Yes. Yeah. He yeah, spoke yeah. about first ladies. Mm-hmm. And how you know Michelle Obama's got this tour, blah blah blah. Yeah. He's been talking about first ladies ten years before. Yeah, on like JFL, and I was like, oh, this is different as to what he's saying. It's the same topic, the same breakdown, mm. but better. Yeah, at the Paper Tiger as opposed to JFL ten years before. And I was like, oh, he's been working on this for ten years. Yeah. So yeah, you, you, it's funny how long some things stay in the workshop hall before mm-hmm. they're ready for the stage. You know, so like, I remember probably the most com- the, one of the jokes I used to like butter up the audience. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm so confident I can get a laugh from that every time. Mm-hmm. Every time I go on stage with it, I think, what can I do with it a little bit differently? Yeah. What can I do to make it just a bit better? You know, do I need to dumb it down or can I make it a bit more smarter or, yeah. or what can I do? So, I certainly think there's, yeah, jokes are always under evaluation. Yeah, yeah. definitely. Mm. Have you found in your comedy thing, I want to compare notes on this. Yeah. Like when you're writing, are there some jokes, because I think about 50% of your jokes, mm-hmm. you probably keep because you think there's, there's something there. I'm not sure quite what it is yet though. Yeah, and then about there's about thirty percent of jokes you throw away, mm-hmm. and then there's about twenty percent of jokes you write down, and and the minute you write it down, you think that's fucking funny. I know that will work. Mm-hmm. Maybe I need to experiment with it a bit, but I know it will work. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. Do you find that's about the same ratio for yourself? Yeah, more or less. But um, ideally, I don't really um throw out um certain jokes as well so so my writing process is this right i i i get the topic i write everything down Mm. without a joke and then i write the whole story down just as the way it's in my head blah blah blah, and then i rewrite it again and while i'm writing it i'm like okay i've said this for like 20 seconds i need to like break it down and say something funny in between Mm. so i rewrite the joke but in a broken way that um, a joke has to be in it now as opposed to just writing the whole thing down so I write right. everything down then I rewrite it that's in interesting like a joke in I want to try that because there's a story I want to use on yeah. stage for like my first 10 minutes because yeah, you remember it because yeah. if you're writing it to make it funny you start missing out some words in it so I write it not to be funny I write the whole thing down so I know every single word and everything and then when I'm rewriting it I'm like okay this word doesn't fit here a joke does. I've and never you, heard of that before, but now I really, really yeah. want to try it. So I just write everything down first and then... It even sounds if, like a really good process. Yeah, even if it's not funny, I'm mm. like, cool, I'll get back to you soon. I'll get back to you later. And then I just um, I just write, like now I'm, I'm thinking of nothing. I'm in the process of writing um, a, a joke for my, for my upcoming show, like just to fill out the last 15 minutes of it. Um defending the globe so i'm trying to write like there's a thick line between being racist and being cautious you know what i mean being there's racist? a thick line between thick being line. yeah be, between being racist and being cautious because the world is not safe right now you know like yeah. no one um could basically 
everything is spontaneous. Everyone is spontaneous. You don't know what is going to happen and when it's going to happen. You mm. know, like 20 years ago, you could have been cautious, but it was taken as racism. Mm. So I'm just trying to like bridge the gap as to it's difficult but it's one of those thinking jokes like okay right yeah i mean i do appreciate that kind of humor because certainly for an except for for a like you're trying to do something that hasn't been done before in terms of maybe approach yeah because the one thing what made me want to get into comedy and what made me want to open my own room and yada 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 was I felt like there was a huge, huge void in terms of comedy for my generation. Yeah. And it's like, well, it's like there are very a lot of comics older, you know, in older generations that are funny. Mm -hmm. No one and people would be stupid to deny that. Mm -hmm. But I felt like, no, nah, there's, there's not enough. There, there could be more people of my age group doing comedy and yeah. filling that void yeah. and it takes a bit of time and it takes a bit of effort but it's like fuck why not have a stab at it you know yeah yeah and then the other thing too is do you find that oh one thing i did want to ask you because mm -hmm. i've talked on this podcast about how being like the youngest of six kids mm -hmm. you know it was like i always try to make my mum my dad my nana my siblings laugh like I, yeah. i'm always trying to get a laugh out of people so that kind of evolved into doing stand-up at some point mm -hmm. how did now you wanted to be an actor yeah but do you think like there was any formative development into being an actor and a comedian you mentioned about being a class clown was there anything yeah. else that kind of and your uncle was there anything else that kind of gave that purpose gave that light um ideally um no because um with with my with my background right it's all about education mm. yeah i'm the only child right yeah okay dad's lazy so um i'm the only child and we, with my background is that like as much as you want to do things that are outside of education, mm. but I do understand that you know our gen my um my parents' generation was all about education and all of that. So they mm -hmm. that's how we survived back home and get more opportunities if you're educated. Mm. So it was all about education with me. So comedy and all these extracurricular activities were never like a like a thought process until years ago. When I got into it, it's all about education, you know. And I recently just even um, finished my masters. Oh, and what? Uh, international relations and national security. Oh, awesome! Yeah, I'm not gonna work for nobody. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah. So, um, it's always been that until comedy, um, came came to light. You know, it was like a drug. Right. Yeah, and and that's how well, I, you got a master's degree. So, congratulations yeah. for that. Thanks, thanks, man. Thank you. Yeah, so other than that, really, it was, it wasn't like, you know how some comedians go through, go through certain things for them to find comedy, right? Like, yes. you know, I lost my job or I just got out of breakup or I just got out of relationship yeah, yeah, or someone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it was never that for me. Right. Yeah, so I, I can't really sit here and say I, I drew my source of inspiration due to something that happened. Right. To me. I feel I like just, you might be very unique in that regard, man. Yeah, I just I just got into it. Right. And then it was even 
There was a DJ friend that even got me into it from the fashion event that called me up. If he wouldn't have called me up, I wouldn't be sitting here as a stand-up comedian. Mm. Yeah, so it was all... It just happened. Yeah. Yeah. Fuck. That's what what you want. Yeah, there's nothing I can draw on and say, okay, I'm motivated because it's this, because it's that. Mm. It's it's not. It's so funny you say that, though, because that... Like I said a second ago, that's that's probably the most unique way for it because mm-hmm. I, I feel like I've spoken to so many types of different creators at this point. Yeah. And the one thing we nearly all have in common is we, we sought an outlet for... We sought a positive outlet for yeah. like kind of negative emotion. Yeah, source and then of that, inspiration. Exactly. Yeah. And that kind of evolved into something else. Yeah. Where it's like now we do it not because we do it as an outlet for negative emotion, but mm-hmm. we do it because we love it. Do you yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. So I feel like in that regard, you must be the mo- one of the most unique performers in the world. The fact mm-hmm. that you just like, yeah, let's give it a crack. Who knows yeah. what will happen? Yeah, I just, that's it, brother. Yeah. Just got into it. Mm. It was never like, but oh, this shit happened to me. No, no, no. You kind of done what the rest of us have done and fallen in love with it? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I fell in love with it the first night. Yeah? Yeah, literally. I like, I had no plan, bro. Yeah. I just got up there. I was taking source of inspiration from like the funny videos I used to do. Yeah. I was like, okay, you know what? Let me say this on stage as opposed to it being acted out. Right. It was, it was really good. And I was like, you know, fuck it. Let me watch other comedians and start writing. That's... So, Man, I need to take you for coffee sometime off air because there's so much I want to pick your brain about in terms of writing. Yeah, like you seem like you seem like like for me, my writing process is so fucking chaotic. Yeah, I think of a joke, and then I think of the wording of a joke, and basically I think of the middle, oh, the the beginning, the middle, and end. Yeah, and it's like okay, I need to. There needs to be some part of a joke. There needs to be a twist in the middle and then, then the twist sets up the punchline, yeah. so to speak. So that's kind of been my right. You seem to have this and it's while it's worked for me, mm-hmm. it's very chaotic. Yeah. And me, I don't like with that, like in regards to that, I know that, like it, it, it restricts me if I, if I do it like that. Mm. You know what I mean? Like how I even came up with the, I'm sure you've heard it, right? The ISIS joke, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, 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 yeah. So I was just chilling and I was like, dude, I haven't heard about ISIS in a while. Mm. So I started picking up like reasons as to why I haven't heard about it. And I was like, oh, COVID. Mm. COVID is around. And then I did some more research and I found out that um, ISIS leaders actually told his followers, true story, like literally told his followers to like isolate. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. During 2020, there's a whole there's thing about it on this internet. Told them to isolate. So I was like, oh, this is funny. Let me try to pick up, like, make it into, like, a story. Mm. Like, that's how I got into it. And even with now, like, before I used to do the whole premises, punchline, and all of that. Now I just look at, okay, what has been happening? And things that you know, things that you can relate to. And mm-hmm. then I just, I just say, you know what, okay, cool. This is what's happening let me write it in a whole storyline. So I just say the whole shit and then I'll break it down now, start right. jotting it down as opposed to 
picking out one or two things because when I used to do that, I wasn't really um, coming off as interesting. Right. You know, I, I, I listened to Trevor Noah on like a interview. Mm-hmm. He's like, oh, he was in, he was in a room or like at an event there was Dave Chappelle, Chris Rock and he was like, oh, he felt like he, he shouldn't be in that room. And then Dave walked up to him, Dave Chappelle. Mm. He's like, "Man, why? What's wrong? Like, if you look like you're you're an outsider here." Yeah. And then Trevor explained to Dave what it was, and Dave's like, ah, "I know a hundred funny motherfuckers. They're not here. Yeah. The only reason why you're here is because you're interesting." So it changed my whole perception about comedy and writing. Mm. Like, you can be as funny as as you can, mm. but if you're not interesting, no one picks. No one pays attention to you if you're not interesting. Take, for example, Dave. Most of Dave's topics are all interesting. Yes. Yeah, so that kind of changed my topics of writing. Like, I would think of something that's really funny. Mm-hmm. And if it's not interesting to me, I wouldn't write it. Or even, like, say it on stage. Mm. Like, the topics have to be interesting. I... I never thought of it that way, but now that I reflect on my jokes a little bit, mm-hmm. I do I do see what you mean. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I have this joke where I compare COVID to, or like where I talk about what COVID should be compared to, and I say like, yeah, COVID's an STD. Mm-hmm. And I tried that on stage recently and it worked out pretty well. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, I... It's your it's, brain thought, bro. It is. Everyone I, is interested, yeah. man. Everyone. And, yeah. But it's it's funny how you, you say that because it's made me rethink the way I think of my own jokes a little bit. In more, like, I'm thinking of it more of in a positive light in terms mm-hmm. of... When I, when I did that joke, mm-hmm. I felt confident yeah. that... I bet that's a tape that not too many people have heard before, if any have heard. Yeah, it's coming from you and it's yeah. coming from like your, your thought of what's happening. Yeah. As opposed to... Cause Everyone is trying to be funny as a comedian, bro. Yeah. Everyone is like, oh shit, I gotta be funny. That's how I'm, I gotta be liked. Yeah. But once you get that out of your mind, like, fuck it, I don't mm. have to be funny. What I'm saying is interesting and funny. Like, people like be like, hey, you know mm. what? That guy stood out. Mm-hmm. What made him stand out? Oh, his materials. Well, that's the. It, it's funny you say that as well because I had uh, Shaka comedy on recently, mm-hmm. and we and James Wallace Shaka go with the dreads. Yeah, 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 yeah. sick dude. Yeah, um, man, he was such a cool dude to have on the pod. We went drinking after a, a show at the Comedy Lounge. Yeah, wicked dude, super nice, and he um, was saying like, "Man, you should, uh, you should, like, use this thing." on stage and we were comparing jokes. We were mm-hmm. all at this bar, me, James and Shaka, mm-hmm. and we're comparing notes on what would work. And I was thinking to myself, we were all getting along really well mm-hmm. and we all had a few things in common. But in terms of our like conversational personality, we were all very different. Mm-hmm. Like, And that's why we all thought of this one joke and we were pouring over this same joke. And I came to the conclusion that like what would be funny for James in that joke Mm -hmm. is like the concept of the joke. The concept of the joke we knew to be funny. Yeah. But we were discussing the delivery. Yeah. And I was thinking like 
the delivery that would work for James is not the delivery that would work for me or Shaka. Yeah. Even though that idea is funny and we can all use that idea as being funny. Yeah. But I could not use that joke the same way James or Shaka mm-hmm. does. It's I have to use it in a different, different context. Yeah. So it makes like, everyone different. Yeah, exactly. So and that's kind of why like that's why everything has to be you can take an idea of a joke and mm-hmm. And run with it, but everything needs to kind of have some level of originality to it. Yeah. Like if you're trying to replicate too much, it will, it's destined to fucking fail. Yeah, it is, bro. Yeah. It is. So you just got to just come up with yourself, really. Yeah. That's and, kind you know, of like why thoughts. I was so proud of my fucking logo. Because yeah. when I had that idea in my head, I was like, I bet no one's seen an image like this. Before. I know one, bro. <laughs> no one, my guy. Yeah. Different, and- being different gets you accepted. Mm, certainly amongst performers and it creators, gets, it get even even among people you're you're speaking with. Being different gets you accepted. Yeah, yeah, that, yeah. That, that, That's what I that's what I I heavily embark on. Mm. You know, just just be different. Do you think? I think comedy comedians typically are really talented observers more so than other people mm-hmm. and i think it's it's partly got to do with I, I get really caught up in like the psychology of what makes a comedian but i find it very interesting in terms of i think most comedians have a somewhat low opinion of themselves habitually mm-hmm. like they don't have a massive ego maybe they have an ego for certain elements of their life but other elements of their life they have no ego mm-hmm. and i think that's kind of like the duality of it where that, that makes them a very good observer yeah because they're observing things about people maybe what works for other people maybe what works against uh, other people and like mm-hmm. things that hold other people back but yeah t- typically one thing i have i've seen is that comedians observe a lot like they yeah. they, they watch what mm-hmm. other people do not even so much listen but certainly watch what other people do yeah. you know what i mean so and that's kind of why i think they you know try to go on stage and make a joke of it you yeah. know do you find that to be true? Like most of the comedians you you talk about, they're always talking about what they've seen and what yeah, they've done on a night yeah. out. Yeah, I, ideally, ideally, um, like observational comedy, and and all of that, and undertake comedy. It's um, everyone observes really, mm-hmm. but coming up on stage and talking about it is a whole different thing, mm. and which is which is good as well. Like, I observe, you observe, and all of that. So, mm. observational comedy is great. It's a great way of like um, going up on stage and like speaking about about certain things and all of that. But ideally, with um, with me, because I can only speak for myself as well. Mm-hmm. I I I observe, but I don't really um, look at that form of comedy of of like observational. I I really try to draw comedy from basically. Um, my own thoughts about about things mm-hmm. really because because that's as original as you can be 
Oh yeah, you know what I mean. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Like but, everyone does. I've done observational. Every I feel like every every joke is from an observational mm. point of view. Even if you're watching yeah. CNN, it's, it's from an observational yeah. point of view. You just got to make it from your own point of view. And one thing that I really learned, and I learned this from Patrice O'Neill mm-hmm. and Bill Burr, is that whatever story you want to say, let it come from like. Uh, from like a point of view when the audience want to know what is going on. Right. You know what I mean? Like, um, I can get up on stage and be like, oh, I'm paranoid. And they're like, obviously, like, oh, shit, why is this guy paranoid? Mm. Yeah, like, whatever word you say when you start needs to be something that will get them to question. Right. Yeah, and it just captivates. Like, whenever I do that, I get so much confidence and I can see that, okay, yeah, this crowd is... Uh, it's like paying attention. It's interesting you say that in that turn of phrase because I have a, I have a the opening to a joke I have which I haven't tried out on stage yet. Mm-hmm. Jeez, I just noticed your shoes. Oh no, bro, this is so they are truly epic. Oh mate, it's cheap shoes, bro. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but they look so good. Yeah, I know, yeah. right. <laughs> <laughs> but um, the I have a joke I want to use on stage, which I haven't premiered yet. Yeah. But um, I'm really excited to see what I can do with it because, yeah, in the first, like, segment of the joke, I won't tell the joke. Yeah. But the first part of the joke is I'm not a confrontational person. Yeah. And I I want to know why you're not confrontational. Because a lot of people are like, they'll be like, oh, he's not confrontational. Okay. I'm not confrontational. Okay. Let me see where this is going. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Or I am confrontational. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So... I feel like it's a very good joke. I've got a good joke there, mm-hmm. but I'm, yeah. But the one thing I do take pleasure in, and, and I've I've found I'm not to toot my own, my own horn too much. Yeah. But I have found I'm quite good at starting a joke and then flipping it in a direction that no one can possibly guess. It's comedy right there. Bro. Exactly. You know. Well, some some comedy comedians make a mastery out of the predictable mm-hmm. you know like take norm mcdonald for an example he's a great example he makes comedy out of the predictable like when he's talking he did had that joke about like i mean he has unpredictable comedy too sure he's a great comedian he has versatility but he made that joke about like the germans he had that where it's like um yeah people are worried about north korea i'm more worried about germany Mm -hmm. I don't know if any of you are history buffs or anything, but at the start of the century, they started a world war. And it's like, now you think that'd be over in about five seconds, but actually it was close. So Uh, like... We we read about that. Yeah. So the fact that he made that joke out of something so obvious, everyone Mm. knew the context of that joke. Yeah. The... So some comedians, yeah, what I'm trying to say is some comedians make a really good joke out of the predictable mm-hmm. and then other comedians make a really, really good joke out of the unpredictable. Yeah. So, but I want to try more predictable comedy. Yeah. You just got to find yourself when yeah. you're writing. Yeah. Yeah. Like you can write really funny stuff. You, you say it out and you'd be like, you know what? Fuck it. This is not me. Mm. You know what I mean? And then you, you write something like you say, you know what? Fuck it, this is me. Mm. Yeah, sorry. Just got to find yourself through, through the form of writing. And what I always say is that whoever is your most comedian that you watch, that's yourself. 
that's the advice I was mm. so like because that's where you literally draw most of your inspiration from. Mm. I you know what? It resonates with you like whatever let's say um not McDonald's say if he's the one that you watch most of the time. Yeah. That's that's your sense of inspiration. Yeah. That's how you would basically draw out your materials from. Yeah. That's how you'd write not writing all of that. It's funny you say that because <laughs> I remember first off, this is again this I don't want to toot my own horn too much here, but mm. I my the guy who helps me produce this, my friend Will, yeah, he um he sent me a clip of Norm Macdonald. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if Will at the time had any idea who Norm Macdonald was. I think it, this video just came to him. Mm-hmm. I don't think he's like follows the who's who of comedy and the yeah. historical icons of comedy like I do. Mm-hmm. But he, he got this video of Norm Macdonald and he sent it to me and he was like, man, this guy talking about this thing really reminds me of how you talk about this joke. Bingo. And I That's watched shitloads of Norm Macdonald. Yeah. You know, I... I remember there was a period of about six to eight months of my life mm-hmm. where I just had Norm Macdonald on repeat. Yeah. Fuck everybody know? else. Watch more Norm Macdonald. Yeah. That's how, like, when I started watching Bill Burr and Patrice O'Neill, mm. my way of writing changed. Mm. Changed completely. Yeah. Like, I don't even say most of my old jokes anymore. Because, mm. man, it's like a, a whole different type of growth especially watching those guys in so you would say bill burr and patrice o'neill yeah are your like depends on uh, or depends on what i want to write and what mm. i want to say i would watch patrice o'neill robin williams bill burr and um patrice o'neill richard Pryor, bill burr and um, Robin Williams does for right. So in ter- in terms of, and I only say this because I want to compare notes. On yeah. In terms of comedy that you watch the most right now, who Patrice do you think? O'Neal. Patrice O'Neill. Hundred percent. I watch Patrice O'Neill like eighty percent of the time. It's crazy, even though. And Dan Bilber, but like yeah. even when I go to bed, right, I play Patrice O'Neill's album on Spotify mm. to sleep. It's- if I don't do that, I don't know. I just can't sleep. Yeah. It's but it, what's crazy to me about Patrice O'Neill is that he's been dead for nearly maybe over ten years. Yeah, and he's he does not get old. Nah. He's one of those comedians that is forever timeless. You know. Yeah, it's crazy. Uh, yeah, and yeah, fuck, he's good. I should have. Ch- I don't want to change my um. Oh, I can't though. Like, I love the comedians on my Mount Rushmore of comedy. Yeah, nah, but, but again, it's so it's just, difficult, you know. Man, you watch him, and you be like, you know what? I've been writing shit all these years. Yeah, yeah. Fuck it. <laughs> like, like I only watch him because he's so good, and it motivates me to be that good with writing yeah. as well, and not giving a fuck about what people really want to think. I just say it because it gets them thinking. What you're saying is true. Mm. Anyway, I I watch him. All the time, I think um, the the comedians I watch lately, which have kind of been, it's funny you say these things. You're mm-hmm. you're pointing things out to me which I've never considered before. Yeah, bro. And but now that you're pointing them out, it's making me think, and it's like, huh. And then I think about my style of comedy, and like, yeah. even though why I try to be as original as I possibly can, mm-hmm. you, you definitely take inspiration from other things. And yeah. there's, there's nothing wrong with that. 
Yeah. And I think, like, shit, I've watched a lot of Norm MacDonald. I've watched a lot of Theo Vaughn. I've yeah. watched a lot of Nick Mullen. Yeah. And it's like, then I think about, like, I kind of take a little bit of all their delivery yeah. and, and use it for myself, mm-hmm. you know? And you can even pick out original originality from it. Yeah. Just by watching it. Yeah. You'd be like, oh, shit, this is happening right now. Like, let me, let me try to see how I can cultivate it yeah. into my way. So, like, with with my writing as well, right, whenever I watch, let's say in a month, I want to write something really good. I watch Patrice O'Neill the whole month. I don't watch no other comedian. Because once I swap and watch a different comedian, my perception of certain things change. We're like, oh, okay, maybe I can say it this way, which I don't really want to contradict myself. Mm. You know, so I just watch one comedian the whole time, continuously. Mm. Yeah. Mate, it's funny. It's you're fucking pointing. It, you're fucking pointing things out to me, and you know what? I think it mm-hmm. applies to other things as well. Yeah. Like, I listen to a lot of podcasts, mm-hmm. but one podcast that I've binged pretty much since the start of this year, which made me want to do this podcast, was Nick Mullins' podcast. Yeah. Unsavory name, come town, but uh, it's just this. It made me want, and I didn't want to necessarily do the podcast he does because I think he has a chemistry with his other co-hosts that yeah. I can't replicate. Yeah. But in terms of like, and also sometimes I have podcasts which are more serious, like other podcasts I have on and we're just fucking laughing. We're just chewing the fat, chatting shit. And other podcasts I get a little bit more reflective and we kind of delve into mm-hmm. like the more deep, the finer details of craft and art and things like yeah. that. So, and Nick Mullen doesn't do that, but mm. I remember watching him and thinking to myself, fuck, I'd love to do a podcast. Yeah. I think I could make it potentially interesting. Yeah. So, it's funny how you say with observation comes inspiration. Yeah, it does, bro. Yeah. It does. And it's, it's crazy as well, man. Like, I've watched other comedians, right? Mm. Like, I would watch um, other comedians, great comics, and they're funny. I love it. But- I don't get ideas from it to write. I don't. I get that. As soon as I watch Bill Burr, even if I'm watching Paper Tiger for the 50th time, yeah. something new pops up. Yeah. As soon as I'm watching Patrice O'Neill, even if I watched it 90 times, this is the, the 91st time that I'm watching it, right? Something new pops up. Yeah. Or I'd watch a different comedian once the whole time. I watch it again. I don't get no source of inspiration from it. Even though you find them funny. Yeah, yeah. I don't. So then it, it, it clicked to me that, okay, my way of thinking and my form of thinking resonates with Bill Burr, Richard Pryor, Patrice O'Neill. Mm. Boom. Mm. I watched them. I oh. bought all of Richard Pryor's clips. I just, I yeah. just, I just watch it. I just, whenever I watch it, something new pops up in my head. Whenever I watch it, something new pops up in my head. I was like, you know what? Maybe... Let me try watching another comedian. Two months, right? Mm-hmm. That was the longest I've never written. Two months, I was watching different comics. I was mm. watching one comic where I never got any source of writing or inspiration from it. Ten minutes after watching Patrice O'Neill, I was like, boom, all right, this is it. It's, I don't, I mean, it's funny you point that out. And I don't know if you can compare notes on this yourself, actually, if you mm-hmm. were never into comedy much before you actually tried comedy. Yeah. Because... I remember when I first when I first started to flirt with the idea mm-hmm. of being a comedian, yeah. what I watched changed. 
Yeah. You know, like what I watched frequently changed drastically in terms mm-hmm. of comedian. Like I went from, I don't know if you know Al Murray. No. He's a British comedian. Um, Al, well, Al Murray, Mickey Flanagan, Billy Connolly, even though I, I still watch yeah. a lot of him. Al Murray, Mickey Flanagan, um, Ricky Gervais. Yeah, Ricky Gervais. Yeah, yeah he's... Is one of the best. But I was watching a lot of them. Mm-hmm. But I found when I first started to flirt with the idea of being a comedian and then it, I doubled down on it even more when I, you know, mm-hmm. became a comedian was, yes, my the, the comedians that I watched changed drastically. Yeah. And- It's your thought process, man. Yeah. And then, but, but it's also kind of come back to what, what works for you. You know, mm-hmm. the thought processes of those guys works mm-hmm. with you and then you look at another comic and even though you find them funny and you appreciate their comedy, mm-hmm. their, their process is not the same as yours, Yeah, you know? So, it, it's funny how it changes through- Yeah, man. It, yeah. It's crazy. But one guy that I, I binged watched, I, man, was Steve Harvey. Oh. I, I don't know why I forgot yeah. this. Steve Harvey was the first guy- I watched after my fashion event. Now I started learning comedy yeah. and what Steve Harvey. Yeah. Then after Steve Harvey, that's when I started branching out to mm. other comics. But Steve Harvey was legend. Steve Harvey underrated. with hair, legendary. Yeah. Even to even without hair, is legendary. The thing is though, he's he's got such a mastery of just sheer delivery. That's it. Steve you know what? Legendary man. The, yeah, just. That's, yeah, such a master of delivery. He knows mm-hmm. how to deliver something funny. He can deliver anything funny. Yeah. You could put the shittest joke in the world in front of him. He's got really good tags as well. Yeah. And one thing I, I learned from Steve Harvey, apart from, um, <clears throat> excuse me, apart from stand-up comedy, was appearance. Ha. Ah. Yeah. And um, I was listening to him. He's like, man, you can be... As funny as you want, right? Yeah. But sometimes appearance helps you. Mm. Yeah. And then I and then I remember I was like, okay, well maybe that's why he's having these hosting shows because of his like he's funny, but also the way he looks, his appearance, mm. and the suits and all of that. Because yeah. certain times you can be as funny, but like you know what? Will that guy look good in a suit on TV? Oh, he's wearing a suit now. He looks good and he's doing comedy. Mm. So appearance-wise, always got to be clean. When you say, I learned that from Steve Harvey. Mm. Apart from his stand-up comedy, I was like, you know what? This is good. Again, though, it's funny you say that because what works for one comedian, mm-hmm. not for another. Yeah, 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 definitely. But like what works for Steve Harvey works. For, he's the master of man, doing that Steve style Harvey of comedy. legendary, Yeah, man. I. Who is a comedian that you do not think you take any inspiration from, mm-hmm. but you've watched a lot of and appreciate? Like, you appreciate them a lot, but in terms of helping your thought process for comedy, they're not it. Um, this is a tough, tough one. Because for me, I'd say Ricky Gervais. <clears throat> yeah. Um, ooh, what is this? Chris Rock. <laughs> I watch Chris Rock all the time. Yeah. I, I, I love him, but I just, I don't know. He, he's, I can't. I love his stand-up. Mm. I watch it all the time, but I just, I can't pick up. 
I don't pick anything up from him too, but I love him as well. I, yeah. yeah. I pick up his um his use of space. Chris oh, uses yeah. a lot of space. He, he walks, loves, he stalks that stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah he yeah, loves yeah. to use space. Yeah. And he also, um, I studied that. And what I realized with the result from studying that is that it keeps the audience attentive to your shit when you're moving. Because their eyes, like, mm. they're trying to keep up with you. Yeah. So it keeps them attentive as opposed to you standing there and you know that's why the that, that works lounge, for that works yeah. for, for i for love to move around on the stage too yeah and that's what's fun about the comedy lounge is it's such a big stage yeah one thing i remember even though my last show at the comedy lounge i was so so happy with it one thing i realized i was favoring one side of the stage more than the other mm-hmm. and so like that's something i'm going to improve because i felt like i was actually losing one half of the room yeah yeah like, like even though i was getting laughs from over there the people like i was on the right hand side of the stage so much yeah and that's where i was getting the most laughter from. yeah that's where your eye contact and yeah, everything yeah, yeah, runs, yeah. Yeah. so it's like there. i need to that was one thing i wish i could have improved yeah. on other than that i was so happy with yeah. that performance yeah or tilt your head around yeah. yeah yeah i always used to steve harvey chris rock Mm. You know, Steve always used the stage um, a lot as well. Yeah, stage yeah, space. Yeah. I always used to do that. It's um, and the thing with me is that like, it, if I'm not moving on stage, right, I perform shit. If I'm standing in a static position mm. and just doing jokes and not moving, it doesn't hit. I don't feel. I don't feel like I own the stage. I don't feel confident in it. Yeah. But when I take two, three steps around, moving around, I feel more confident. Yeah. With delivery and all of that. Like I'm the same. Like I really admire comedians that stand. Yeah. With the mic in one position and just talk. I admire that because mm. I can't do it. Well, that's. I cannot. I cannot stand in one position, hold the mic, and then just. Say, I, I can't. I admire that though. I'm kind of wondering where we get that inspiration from, though, because. The comedians we've talked about, Patrice O'Neill, Norm MacDonald. Patrice stays in one position. Yeah, never <laughs> Patrice like, Norm MacDonald does the same thing. Oh, uh, yeah. Nick Mullen That's why uses, I find it very interesting. Yeah, I love it. But Nor- Nick Mullen uses a bit of arm movement. Theo Vaughn maybe has a bit of movement, but I've seen him definitely sit still for a lot of performances. Mm-hmm. Um, and what was the other one? It was your two that you've watched a lot, Patrice O'Neill and Bill Burr. Bill Burr. Bill Burr moves around quite a bit. Yeah, Bill Bill moves. Yeah. But those comedians that we Kevin moves. Kevin definitely Kevin moves. moves. Cat, yeah, yeah, Cat he, I don't moves. know if there's any. Oh, I don't know if anyone moves more than Cat Williams. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Dude, he is jumping. up that stage, up and yeah, down like be, a fucking be, parade. He'll be jumping. Yeah, Cat, Cat's uh, legendary. But it's funny, like Patrice O'Neill. Because I can definitely see inspiration from Patrice O'Neill. I like out of all the ones you've mentioned that you love, I love mm. Patrice O'Neill is at the top of that list for me. Yeah. Even though I consider Richard Pryor, like, Richard don't move too much, but he does move like slowly. Yeah, around. yeah. He moves as a he moves a lot from the waist up. Yeah. Like he doesn't uh, move his feet so much. He doesn't yeah. stalk the stage, but from the waist up, he's yeah. like all movement almost. Yeah. But it's interesting how. I'm trying to figure out. Maybe it's a thing I just do because I've always been a fidgety person. Mm-hmm. Like, and yeah, when I'm moving, I'm just more comfortable. Mm-hmm. And also, moving, you can put a lot of expression in movement. You can put something funny into movement, you know, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and it changes depending on what you're doing. Yeah. 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 
I've got a fucking... We are at an hour and a half. Yeah. It goes quick, eh? Yeah, mate. Yeah. It's, once you start loving the conversation, it just yeah. goes more. But yeah. Do you have anything you want to plug before we go into plugs? Uh, mate, I mate, I just I just want to say like, um, thank you for having me. It's oh. an honor to be here, bro. It's like, an honor to have you, I, man. I really appreciate it. Yeah. Thanks I've, for that, bro. I was hugely honored when you said you would like to do it. So I'm very flattered that you chose to do it. Um guys this has been Profeshi anal degen a rates uh you can find us on patreon spotify tiktok and instagram thank you so much to chief no worries, man. you've been amazing it. man thanks brother thank you so much professional degenerates signing off